spoiler alert. Here is this week's show show with Sweets and Slaney. How's work going? Uh, okay. This week has just been so strange. I know we've been we've been talking about how like the time appears more meaningless than ever, and we've been having that conversation for like seven weeks. But I think where where last week was a particularly heavy week in Nova Scotia, uh, yeah. and then this is the week that follows it. it. It's just very disorienting. I don't know if you feel that. Yeah, it feels like we went from like one extreme to just kind of what was back to normal but still back to normal is still not really normal yeah the new normal we're back to the new normal i guess we're back to the new normal yeah right yeah. how are you doing how is are you are you able to separate your your church and state when you're at home or like do you find that your work life and your life life are are blurred in a in a positive or negative way um i i definitely find i'm doing more work later at night than I otherwise would be. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just like, uh, I have it on my, on my task list and, you know, I want to just get it off. So I'll just do it now. Well, I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah. What about you? <laughs> like, well, I guess your, your work is pretty, it's pretty confined to what one space. So that's, it doesn't really that's change right. for you. Yeah. Well, except for that, like, uh, my workday is just so strange. It's a lot of like hurry up and wait with my with my workday. And so like I got in there when I normally would this morning and I just got through all my prep really fast. And right. there was not really a whole lot else I can do in, in the meantime. And I don't go live until three o'clock. And so I kind of had like like an hour, 45 minutes in the middle of my day <laughs> with right. which to do nothing. And so I like sit there and I, I, I'm, not, I'm not uncomfortable admitting like sometimes before I go on the air and my prep is ready, I sit there and I read my book, <laughs> like, which feels yeah. a little strange. But I mean, I guess other people do that when they're on their lunch break. But in another universe, I could like duck out and go hang out at my mom's house, which is not far away. Or I could run home or I could run to the mall or something. But like you leave right. the house and your 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 venture out into the world, it's it's still not free. Well, and it's, it's by virtue of you having a super productive day. Well, that's right. That yeah. you're almost kind of like cursed. But well, I mean, I, I guess a lot of workers are that way too. Um, but you more so because there's not even like you know you're not going to start just writing tomorrow's show necessarily, no, right? Because that would set you back it. even further. Well, in fact, uh, on Friday I was super productive. On Friday morning, I was like, I was just like checking boxes crossing t's every which way like the first 45 minutes of my being at the office on friday was mega productive which is rare because usually i'm kind of gassed on friday and then right. at 2 45 uh news came down that there was another gun scare in in halifax in greater halifax and yes. i had written a whole show i never script the whole show before i even go live i usually get like a little bit ahead of myself i had written the whole show for the first time in like two years and i had to toss it all out i didn't get to use any of it because i had to do breaking news for that whole show on the other hand uh, thank god that that was kind of a false alarm it was yeah. it was uh an interesting experience because like i got to be of service which was you know there's value in that um and it, it was just an interesting thing to be so present on live radio for like in, in, a, in a more effective way, I think, than you normally get to be. It's kind of a, it was kind of a, 
uh, a privilege, in fact, to get to be on the air on Friday through through a scary thing. And then I got to recycle a lot of my my uh, my tossed out prep on Monday. And yeah, so were you just kind of trying to keep keep people calm and informed? Uh, yeah, except it felt silly to like try and keep people calm. All, all I can do is like reiterate what the police are saying. And right. in those situations, the police are saying very little. Like you're you're monitoring the RCMP Twitter feed, which was a little bit more um, efficient and and providing more updates than the Halifax police, although it was kind of their jurisdiction. But it was a real lesson in uh, the spread of misinformation and and fake news because we're still rocked from this horrific thing that in fact did happen just five days before. And so people are just coming from every direction with information that they cannot substantiate. And it doesn't even occur to them that you might not believe them. And frankly, most people, it doesn't occur to them not to believe them. And so they never confirmed that there were shots fired because as far as we could tell, and it's been a week, there weren't any, but they thoroughly no. are investigating like multiple residential areas in greater Halifax. And meanwhile, there's, you know, some Joe Blow on Twitter who's saying uh, active shooter at Canadian Tire or like, yeah. I just saw a guy like walking through the woods behind my house with an AK. And like, that's we, not we true. That said, we saw something that said six people shot. Yeah, exactly. And and a, a friend was like, I don't know, like a friend who's a 911 operator said six people were shot. And then another friend is like, yeah, I actually like also have a dispatcher friend. And they said the same thing. And we were like, okay, what? And so So when the police gave the all clear, uh, I think it was Tom who shared that on Facebook. Like, hey, this is the all clear. Best to stay home for the rest of the night anyway. But like, this seems like it's probably all good. And then some other idiot comments, uh, I don't believe this. My girlfriend's aunt heard gunshots. Okay, your girlfriend's aunt claims to have heard gunshots, and that's more valuable information than a thorough police investigation? Yeah, and you're throwing your weight all behind your, like, like I love my girlfriend's aunts, but I don't necessarily <laughs> go like, what they say is my Bible here. Listen, my girlfriend's aunt knows. She knows this kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, it was like a really... It was, she she knows a gunshot to hear one. <laughs> it was a scary thing, uh, and I, I think I did a good job. I, 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 was, I was proud to be on the radio that day. But then to come back, <laughs> to come back this week and just to be like, so we're in quarantine. What's your favorite movie to watch right. in quarantine? Felt like a little frivolous, but also that, I guess I have to look at it like, like that is a service too. It's it's a service just to be there in case you need vital information, and I'll be here. I'll be here in the meantime. I guess that's kind of how I have to look at it. Right. Is that is that boring? Is that boring to people? I don't know. No, I think it's. I think people uh, like to like to see through the the glass of what's going on inside a radio superstar's life. See, you see behind the curtain. Yeah. Pay no attention. Pay no attention to the suites behind the curtain. But radio is not necessarily behind a curtain. Usually you're behind glass. I think that's what I'm what I'm referencing. I guess, you but know, there's, there's also always like a glass window that you can see a new studio. Well, not always. And and radio is more historically defined by the phrase theater of the mind. Like ever since the beginning, it was always about fooling you into thinking it was something that it really isn't. 
And a great example of that in, in right. modern broadcast is, is voice tracking. Like we've had the technology to record the human voice for literally a century. And it still baffles people to the point where they feel deeply betrayed to learn that all radio shows are not live or, or that like syndicated right. shows starring Alice Cooper or Ryan Seacrest are not being conducted from like Cogswell street <laughs> or like, like two blocks from where you live. Right. No, Seacrest is not flying around right. that much. He's a busy guy, but not quite that busy. He's never seen Halifax before. Speaking of uh, sad shit, I watched Honey Boy, Shia LaBeouf's uh, masterwork. Oh, really? It is my yeah. second favorite Shia LaBeouf movie of 2019. The first one being Peanut Butter Falcon. The PBF, which was a lovely movie. And and there were only two, right? Yeah. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> yeah. If there was a third, I hated it. <laughs> Right. It was so good. It was like it it's see, we already knew that that Shia was a, a very, very good actor and and just in general a good artist. And the and the fact that this film exists proves that he's a good artist. Um interestingly, the character who is him, the character's name is Otis, but it's it's a very thinly veiled Shia LaBeouf, like to the like I'm not sure if there was like a legal reason he changed his name in the movie, but it's not like based on his childhood. It's very clearly autobiographical and he just changed his own name uh, and he plays the father figure in it. Um, the the Shia LaBeouf character is not really an artist at all. Um, or at least as a child, he's not an artist. He's just kind of been uh, supplanted into this universe as as a victim of of child stardom. And he's, he's a real victim of, of uh, manipulative and emotional abuse by his father in this movie. Um, he, the, the fact that he does not depict himself as an artist in this piece of art that he's created about himself shows, a mo shows modesty. And um, in general, it's, it's one of those warts and all movies that is not uh, done to self-flatter. I would say he comes off better than his dad does in the film. Um, but in general, a bummer, really good. Uh, the only thing sadder, this is what I tweeted. The only thing sadder than honey boy are episodes of even Stevens after you've seen honey boy because oh, no. I watched one. I, I, Becky went to bed and I was like, I'm going to toss on an even Stevens now having just watched honey boy. And like, this is the show he was making when he's living at a motel with his dad and he was like getting like just dragged around and so you watch this like sweet kid and i used to love even stevens and he like you you realize that like as soon as they yell cut like he went back to the motel and he was so alone and confused it was just, it's it's just kind of a weird thing because i remember this show as just a funny gag and it was so much more than that to him uh that's so sad yeah and does was his mom around she wasn't at this time so I can remember when he became a star and like the easy question for him was how do you, how do you get a name like Shia LaBeouf? And he would just kind of write it off like my parents are hippies. And so maybe, right. maybe his mom is a hippie also, but the movie, which does not feature her other than in one phone call and the voiceover is done by Natasha Lyonne. Um, it definitely indicates that she's much more together where the father is like the narcissist with, uh, 
he's in he's in some kind of like recovery program so he's not like a uh, an abuser of substances but he has been and then there's a backstory where maybe he's a sex criminal and he the only uh, real career he's ever had is as like a rodeo clown that does a uh, a weird thing with a chicken and he is just living vicariously through his son's fame and his son is 12 and so that's that's really sad um, I don't know where I was going with that, but it was, yeah, the mom, the mom's not around through it. And then I guess, um, after the events of even Stevens, he didn't talk to his dad for seven years, basically until he came to him and said, I'm going to make this movie about you. Whoa. And what did, did that, his dad like sign on? Did you read any interviews? Do you do a deep dive after this? He's not in any of the press. Um, there is a joke in the movie, and it doesn't spoil anything, where it's like very meta. It's written right into the movie where Lucas Hedges plays the character, and he goes to his dad, and he's like, I'm going to write a movie about you. And uh, the dad says, well, make me look good. And it's like kind of a funny line because uh, they, you just he clearly didn't. Clearly not <laughs> He good. clearly yeah. didn't make him look good. Um, but I think they got him on board, and this is just a story I heard in an interview. They got him on board by telling him that Mel Gibson was going to play him in the movie. And so he's like, oh, Mel Gibson's going to play me. Then, yeah, go for it. And then, uh, obviously, they didn't get Mel Gibson. Right. Wow. I wonder if they originally had Mel Gibson lined up or, like, planned. Shia asked him. Shia did ask him. And and Mel Gibson was like, no, you have my blessing to do this movie. Like, I think, go for it. But, like, it's not for me. And, like, honestly, it's better without Mel Gibson in it. If he was in it, there would be baggage, and I would feel weird about watching it. Mel Gibson said, you have my blessing to do this movie. <laughs> like, wow, thanks for your blessing. Thanks. I've brought, I, you know, has, I didn't need this at all. It has like nothing to do life. with you, but thanks for yeah. the vote of confidence. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Maybe I misphrased for, it. <laughs> uh, I hope not. I hope he was like, you are allowed to do this movie, son. <laughs> like, yeah, I know I'm allowed to. Anyway, having seen so many of the Oscar movies there a couple of months ago, and I still have never seen Joker. Um, it does seem a little crazy to me that Shia didn't get nominated for anything. Like, for if not for actor. Because, you know, he could have been nominated for Best Supporting Actor for, for this movie. He's good in Peanut Butter Falcon as well, though it's not as complex a character. He could have been nominated for Best Supporting Actor over um, Anthony Hopkins, Two Popes, for sure. Yeah. Um, he could have been nominated for Best yeah. Original Screenplay as well, um, and it's a shame that that he wasn't. But that's my segue into talking about the Academy Awards, because we now have confirmation as of this week that the Oscars have significantly uh, relaxed their criteria for how to qualify for an Oscar, given that theaters in general and the movie in- industry is so embattled this year. And so I think oh, sure. we got a bit of a hint a little while ago that that, or maybe it was the Emmys, it was the Golden Globes, and now it's also the Oscars, uh, that there no longer is a requirement that your movie shows in at least one Los Angeles theater. Who knew? That was previously, if you wanted to win an Academy Award, your movie had to show in at least one Los Angeles theater. That no longer is the case. Um, and that's kind of like the biggest change in in the awards, which kind of makes me wonder, like, what what does now qualify now that that rule has changed? Like, do my... Do my Instagram stories, my TikToks qualify for Academy Awards? That would be, it's going to be a totally different landscape. Will movies be better? I think they do. I was unaware that you were on TikTok. I'm not. I just mean, theoretically. They should. The the royal hour TikToks. Right. (laughs) 
Um, you're breaking up a little bit every once in a while. I don't know if that's my internet or your internet. Oh, that sucks. You haven't broken up at all. Granted, I have done, okay. I think, 98% of the talking then. so far. Um, I haven't noticed any glitches in the audio. Okay. Um, okay, well, we'll I'll just keep monitoring. My phone's kind of kind of dying, but it looks like, just one sec, looks like my uh, Wi-Fi is all intact. So, okay. I'm we'll keep going. I'm still uh, doing a trial and error on how to mic an iPhone so I can get you some gear through this because we're going to be doing the podcast like this for a little while, I think. I'm still like trying different no, experimental I'm, I'm, adapters I'm, I'm and stuff. I'm looking into iPhone um, uh, or I'm looking into certain mics that I, I can use. Yeah. Oh, you are? Yeah. What have you What have you looked into? That's uh, Unless you're doing that for work, don't do it for the podcast. Well, I mean, it'll it'll it might birth a life of its own. Who knows? Oh, okay. Maybe I do my my audio drama. <laughs> hark, hark! A Slaney story. Okay, I like telling it. the tales of um, uh, inner city boy uh, turned diabetic. <laughs> you, you make it sound like you were converted to <laughs> diabetes. <laughs> <laughs> Decided to be a yeah. diabetic. Uh, and then these toughs showed up, and they got him into the dark world of diabetes. That's right. There was a lot of snapping, a lot of stomping. <laughs> well, that's good. Um, yeah, the yeah. Academy Awards. I, the- I don't think there's a, a lot of news this week. Like I, I was pouring through it, and it just doesn't seem like there's a whole lot going on. Besides, this is news to me, the, the Academy Awards. Yeah, the, the only other Oscar thing is that they have combined the two uh, sound categories, editing and mixing, or just now achievement in sound. Which, I mean, as a viewer of the Oscars telecast, I'm glad about that because I've personally, and I work in sound, and I don't necessarily understand the difference between those two categories. And it's boring when those people are brought on stage. But if I am an artist who works in either of those fields, I'm pissed that there's now fewer opportunities to win an Academy Award, that now my category is blended with a whole other skill set. That kind of sucks. 100%. Anytime that you're told that your your window of awards is lessened, it's kind of a piss off. Anytime you're told that the thing you do professionally is basically the same as this other thing, that, that sucks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You can understand why people are pissed, even if we don't necessarily understand the their job category. No, exactly, exactly. Genji Cohen, who's the creator of uh, Orange is the New Black, is doing a social distance anthology series. So, like, her new show is going to be called Social Distance. And it's going to be all these, like, oh, little yeah. mini movies about people and how they're living with... It's like that show Modern Love, except it's about social distancing instead of about love. Which... Right. It just sounds so opportunistic. It sounds... Like you're so, and I know she's like a good TV creator, but like it's, it really kind of sounds like you're incapable of like thinking outside of the box here for sure. By the time this show is done, I'm like, and ready to, to be broadcast. There's no way I'm going to want to watch a show called social distance. Do you kind of have the vibe that we're not going to stop hearing about social distancing, pandemics, stories that happen within this for like three years from now? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and, and was I the, telling you? I, go ahead. I was telling you about the whole Sopranos thing, right? Where, like, after nine eleven, they like shoehorned it into just random scenes where it'd be like, and now they're saying that Osama's like 
in Pakistan or yeah. something. We're not going to be able to find him. Anyway, you want me to go hit this guy or what? <laughs> like, <laughs> it would just be like a precursor to random scenes to be like, hey, we know that this happened and we're in New York, so we got to talk about it. Like, airplane security is going crazy right now. It's so funny you say that because you didn't mention that, that to me before, but we've talked about Parks and Rec so much on the podcast lately. I've been rewatching season two. And in the last week, since we did our last podcast, in season two, I've noticed not one, but two swine flu references. And and that's yeah. so of a time. Yeah. Yeah, I, I noticed that at the time, too, because we were watching it, obviously, in the age of pandemic. And you're like, oh, yeah, okay, I guess 2009 was the big swine flu year. Clearly. Yeah. Yeah. I remember being in university, not really being uh, concerned about that one. Although people weren't concerned about COVID until it really got here. I feel like for a couple of reasons, COVID is killing way more people. And so it's very sensible to be more concerned about COVID-19 than, than swine flu. Oh, but, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not minimizing COVID. <laughs> <laughs> but on the other hand, uh, I think it was kind of scary at the time, but we were younger too. We were just like dumb people in university and we're like, oh, sure. I'll get my flu shot. But like, you're not, I don't know if you were like watching the news when you were 21 or younger. I feel like I feel like because we were studying a lot of crisis communications at the time in uh, school. Fair enough. Um, we actually were talking about it a lot, but yeah. I still was just being like, "Whatever, I'm invincible." <laughs> <laughs> and you kind of are. So You've had hardships since then. The uh, the sh- yeah. the, the Netflix show uh, that Idris Elba did about how he was a DJ. Turn up, Charlie. Do you remember that show? Yeah. Canceled after one season. Good. I remember hating that show. That did not get our ass. No, it was bad. And he's like... It was bad. I I think I've been hard on Idris Elba because I have this like defiant sense in me where if people just like seem to praise somebody a lot, even though they haven't done that many good things. (laughs) Uh Uh-oh. Sounds like I'm going to go hard (laughs) on him again. (laughs) It does. Especially considering you haven't seen The Wire. Or Luther, for that matter. Hey, that's very valid. <laughs> that's a very, very good like, argument. Those are the things he's known for. And I, 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 I like really like Molly's game. In general, I don't have a problem. I like him in the office, <laughs> even though like he's not supposed to be like likable in the office. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't root against Idris Elba. But I thought that show was so stupid and pointless, and I'm so glad it's canceled. There are better things for everybody involved to be working on. It was stupid. He he has like some songs out now, eh? Oh, I hate that. That's so dumb. Like he's got, yeah, he's like kind of like Jeremy Renner style, except I think he has like other people rapping on it. I He I, might rap on some too. I'm not sure. Interestingly, it, I mean, there's a long history of artists who are famous for one thing, transitioning over to a different art form after they get famous, like using their platform from that first vocation to like, uh, springboard into another thing, whether it's like actress to pop star or, I mean, Elvis was kind of the original example of that. In certain cases, it can really work. And, and I understand that certain entertainment artists are like Renaissance creators, for sure. But I heard Whitney Cummings talking recently. She kind of took the offensive on that point, And I liked what she said. And she articulated it better than I would. But basically, she said, uh, people bought into stock on you for something it's not fair to then go expect them to digest something that wasn't what they bought they bought in for does that make sense right like if yeah. you if you've come come forward and said i'm an actor if you want i'll make movies 
get on board. And then suddenly, like, I'm supposed to understand that you also want to be a spoken word artist and I'm supposed to, like, be the same audience for that? That's that's asking too much of people who you haven't earned that from. I kind right. of agree. And, and then you're kind of alienating them because they're like, oh, I was, like, a big fan of that person and I feel like I'm supposed to like them for this other reason. That's the I other thing she says. It's ki- it. it's kind of like flipping the middle finger to these people who supported you. Yeah. Yeah, a little bit. That's why you got to take the Chris Gaines approach. <laughs> Just change your name. You got to release it un- under a different name and then if it catches on, you can be like, hey, it was me all along, Idris Elba. <laughs> Wait a second. Are you saying Chris Gaines was actually Idris Elba all along? He was in deep cover. <laughs> he was real deep. Yeah, he was guy. a dude disguised as a dude playing another dude. That's right. <laughs> That's right. It was a real MI2 situation. What did you think of SNL's second at-home edition? I don't hate I didn't hate it. Um, I thought the production value went up a lot. It did. Almost to the extent where I was like, well, how did they not figure this out the first time? Right. Um, with some, like... They have all this wealth of resources to to do stuff. Like, why was that not in play as much? But I guess they were also kind of figuring it out. It was the first time. So good on them for fixing it around the second time with, like, you know, the the weekend update back, background. Yeah. And, like... They ditched that laugh track, which was, thank God. The laugh track was bad. Yeah. Um, And what else was there? Uh, I thought it's really made me like Chloe Feinberg. Feynman, yeah. Feynman? Mm. She, uh, I think she's like the new star. I think that this this new forum is kind of perfect for her. I think that she thrives in just like looking at herself in the mirror and figuring out what her face and voice can do. Yes, yeah. And she does it a lot on Instagram too. She's Love wicked talented. Like. Her impressions are unbelievable. And who'd have thought like Timothy Chalamet? <laughs> it's, it's an unbelievable yeah. impression. She could. Yeah, she created an impression. Yeah. One that didn't exist. Kind of like um, uh, Dude did with Christopher Walken in the early 90s. Um, the guy who wrote I'm Dying Up, Jay, Jay Moore. Jay Moore. Did he do the original Christopher Walken? That's what he claims. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's so interesting. Bob Sugar, Jerry Maguire, Jay Moore. I wonder yeah. a little bit if, if uh, Via Senor is threatened by Chloe Fineman because they so clearly bring people on to be like either a sketch writer, a superstar, or like an impressionist, like you're our resident impressionist. And that's Chloe now. Yeah, I think she, I think, um, although Melissa Villasenor is a great impressionist too, and she's been doing a lot of John Mulaney. Have you seen that at all? Yeah, yeah. That's been really good. But also she, um, she's, she released like her own album this summer. Weird. Yeah, don't ask us to, don't, that's breaking the rules. Exactly. Yeah. She's breaking the rules. That's right. And it was like super like kind of poppy and like, I don't know. It didn't seem like there was a whole lot of substance to it. It wasn't being like super vulnerable or anything. It was just. Yeah. I mean, she is a good singer. Like one of her best impressions is Christina Aguilera. To do that, you have to like have some pipes, I guess. Totally. She's a super talented person. Yeah. I like the sketch that she did where she's like dating a person. He's not actually there. Actually, my favorite. My favorite sketch of the night was maybe the last sketch. And it was 80 reading her old diaries. And they were clearly like real diaries. Yeah. They were, that was, that funny. was hilariously vulnerable. And like she just kind of goes crazy while she's reading them. Yes. 
Yeah. Yeah. I thought that was awesome. I do like, I do like how it's showing a little bit more of like a personal look at, um, at people's, you, you get to see a little bit more like who had a really good week at home. <laughs> and isn't it interesting to find out who at, secretly lives in LA? Yeah. Yeah. Like th- there's no way that they live there typically. Like they moved back at least for a break. Yeah. And then I don't know, but yeah, it's strange. So we got people who live at home. We got Chloe Feynman. We got Keenan Thompson in LA. We got, yeah. Kyle, say, Kyle, Mo- Kyle Mooney's definitely in LA. Kyle Mooney. Um, yeah, Kyle Mooney had like a huge. That's why he wasn't in any other skits because he was right. just like working all week on this one skit. A lot of work which was went kind into of that. Visually impressive. It was yeah. very impressive. A lot of work went into that. Yeah, I would say um, Mikey Day probably lives in LA because he has stairs in his house. He also has a kid, um, but it doesn't look like a very glamorous house. That's kind of why I was thinking it was New York, but yeah. just like a like more maybe upstate area or something kate mckinnon's definitely in new york didn't really get any particular vibe from like cecily who's been really minimized these last two episodes um right che is obviously in in new york i will say i appreciated that they ditched the laughs for for update uh i cringed forever and ever through jost's little um unscripted prank on michael che at the end where he like asked for people to make submissions or something like joke submissions or something and you like he's the yeah. head writer he didn't write this out he stumbled all through it it wasn't i don't i don't really get it it was too inside i i just i was so uncomfortable for it you know what's funny when i was watching that i was thinking like oh this is really smart or is this like one of the smart in quotation ideas that have and then i say it and i'm like wait this is super complicated but he's actually following through on this super complicated idea right and i think you just verified that yes it, it is a really complicated idea that he's trying to explain like yeah hey so the idea is you get pitched a joke and an example of that is i'm going to give you a joke that you have to say and also everyone you can also give your own joke right now was, i just can't uh, figure out what the joke would be that would that would make Michael Che uncomfortable. I think part of his charm is that he'll say anything. Yeah. I don't think he cares. No. Um, It had to be like an anti woman stance. But I think he's made that stance. I think he's gone there. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. I think that's something he would just say. Uh, It's interesting that they decided to go for no host quote unquote. Like I know that Tom Hanks was like pretty minimal when he did it as just kind of like he did the monologue. They didn't have a famous person beep in for the monologue but they did have brad pitt do dr fauci in the cold open which was awesome can i tell you i really didn't like his like the heartfelt ending there like i don't need that i i it's weird i'm you know i told you how against uh the whole like kate mckinnon being hillary clinton singing hallelujah thing like that was bad that's so ridiculous when you get that that into it um and like to end an impression with like taking off your wig and being like, and you know what, Dr. Fauci, thank you so much for your service. And thank you to all the frontline workers. Well, and I guess I was live from New York. I think maybe like, cause Dr. Fauci chose Brad Pitt, right? Like somebody asked him jokingly, Hey, if they're going to, if someone's going to be you on SNL, who should it be? And he just jokingly said Brad Pitt. Cause that's funny. 
And oh, good. And so, okay. Well, that that provides a little more context. So that's how this came to pass. And so maybe it was like giving back the compliment. But I think just I think that to play somebody on SNL, unless you're playing like Rudy Giuliani or Donald Trump or somebody like we're really trying to lampoon because we hate them, a lot of a lot of impressions on SNL can be. Um, kind of tributes, right? They can be kind of celebratory. And this was clearly totally. what that was. The other thing that I'm concerned about is that SNL is going to get Dr. Fauci fired because I think already Trump doesn't like him, doesn't like that he goes out and, and discredits the things that he says. I'm not really sure why he hasn't gotten fired already given the track record. But if SNL makes a stance that we like Dr. Fauci uh, in these sketches that are supposed to like star Donald Trump in his eyes... He's going to be bitter right. about that. And if nothing else, it kind of plants the seed. I'm sure like while Fauci was watching it, he's like, Ugh. because he makes a joke of like, so I am for sure getting fired. by Right. This. Oh, that's right. It was right. It was written into the sketch. So, so it's like, it's just like in the minds of, of people anyway. You know, it's that thing where you, if you say something ridiculous and you put it out there, yeah, it's out there now and people become that much more familiar with it, including, you know, the higher ups. That, my friend, is the secret. <laughs> that's the secret. No, that's not what I was trying to say. Yeah, I don't stand by the secret. You're, you're a big advocate of the secret as long as I've no, known you. No, 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 <laughs> no. I believe disease can happen to anyone. It's not because they've been a shitty person. Who are you? I, I feel like I'm talking to a stranger right now. <laughs> what do you mean? You know what? I did watch. Uh, I finally saw... Uh, James Franco's SNL documentary. Okay. You're not aware this existed? He he like talked about it on no, Stern no, a long remember, time ago. I remember it being a thing. In 2008, they gave him access to basically just like shoot behind the scenes of the making of one SNL. And John Malkovich was the host. And I think it premiered at festivals. This is like 12 years ago. And then it just kind of got lost and it never went anywhere. And then I found it on YouTube. Um, and it's, it's so interesting as a fan of the show from a technical standpoint. It's additionally cool having had some distance from that generation of SNL because 2008 was my generation of SNL. It's probably yours as well. Like everybody under the sun who you yeah. who you loved when you first came to that show, maybe a little bit after, but like like Andy and the Lonely Island and like Jason and Bill and Keenan obviously and like Kristen's there, Mulaney's there. And it's all... It's just very interesting. It's it's kind of it's it's a snapshot of of a gone by era that happens to be uniquely specific to your affections. Awesome, yeah, I'd be into that for sure. I would say two thousand like six or two thousand like five through eight yeah. were probably high moments for me. Yeah, I think you'd enjoy it. Excellent. Uh, we didn't mention Pete Davidson. His Adam Sandler song was actually pretty good. Um, yeah. It's cool that he's getting a little more involved. Like, if anything, he's gotten more screen time from, I think, being sequestered. Well, until Sandler showed up in this song, I was kind of like, all right, are we doing this again? You're just like, it's another song about how it's weird to be at home with your mom. But then Sandler showed right. up and it's just kind of like validated the use of it. Speaking of uh, of Pete, and, and by the way, we know he's in New York because he's in Staten Island with his mom. Uh, his movie, yeah. Judd Apatow's new, new movie, King of Staten Island, uh, officially pulling the plug, canceling the theatrical run, going straight to on demand. Um, That's right. Which is a big thing, because that would like would have been a big movie. Although the last couple of years, 
uh, like big budget comedies have kind of not done so well. And so it's maybe not as big of a risk as it feels like it is. And I, I will for sure right. pay $19.99 to watch King of Staten Island on a Friday night at my house. That sounds like fun. Yeah, definitely. And he was actually on the, uh, the Oh Hello podcast. Oh, yeah. I, I, I wanted to ask you if you've been so listening you, to that. I've been listening. Have you been listening to it? I haven't heard that one yet, but I've mostly heard them. Yes. <laughs> it's, it's great. They yeah. just go into it. They know it, it's nice, too, because you can tell that like John Mulaney's clearly friends with Pete. Yes. But is also like, hey, I know you're going to have a hilarious take. Don't read anything about Princess Diana and like come in. We're going to ask you questions about it. And like <laughs> it, his responses are fantastic. They're so good in those characters. They can't let those guys go. They they know them so yeah. well that they're they can't stop being them. Did you hear the John Oliver one? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's great. The the Tate's crispers ad at the end of uh, one of <laughs> I love the ads. It was so good. Today's podcast is brought to you by baseball, baby. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you wanna put your son in a woman's hat for three innings because you didn't bring one for him? Baseball. <laughs> <laughs> Ugh, I don't know how much of it is scripted, but I feel like not that much, which makes it so amazing. I, the the other best part of <laughs> the new episode, you know how they've been using the serial um, uh, theme song, yeah, throughout. Uh, in this one, they just blatantly start using the WTF theme song. Yeah, Mark mentioned that on Monday. Oh, did he? Yeah. Okay, that's good. He obviously gave it his blessing, and he did. Like, loved it. Yeah, so. he did. the uh, The Parks and Rec reunion is on as we speak, as we record this. It's airing on NBC. Yeah, it's on at what time is it now? It's nine oh six, so it starts in in twenty four minutes. Yeah, well, there's an hour of content. I think the I, there's two half hours and are both like new Parks and Recs. Oh no! Yeah, go get on Be it because the one that okay. Can I stop for one second? Absolutely. Just to make sure we're recording. Yeah. Okay. Thanks. Okay. Anyway, that's recorded now. So we're back to talking tube with sweets and slaying. Talking Tube. Where was that idea when we were trying to name the podcast and we came up with the worst <laughs> name ever? And here we are, you know, 154 I'm, episodes later. I'm really not sure. Talking Tube. I like it. Talking Tube. Hey, that was 154. That was my uh, my address. What was your address? Have we got there yet? <laughs> what? What are you talking about? Oh, 154, the, the episode count. What was my address? Yeah. What was my address? Is that what you're asking me? Not your full. Not your full address. Just what was your house number? Like growing up? Yeah. It was 47. Oh, so we passed that eons ago. Yeah. Yeah. Is this what we've been reduced to? <laughs> <laughs> it's it's my champagne podcast, baby. Yeah. Oh, that's what it is. Okay. Well, cheers to yeah. you. Thanks. I'm drinking. There is a name for the new Space Jam movie, which comes out in July of 2021. It's called Space Jam A New Legacy. Interesting. I knew that LeBron was working on this, yep. but I just like I hadn't heard anything. There hasn't been any shots released, and I was surprised. So I was like, "Is this still happening?" I don't know if they made it already, but like July twenty twenty one is a ways off. Yeah. So either true. they're paused amid production, or yeah, they already have it in the can. But he like there's there's swag and and a logo because he posted a uh, a picture of himself like wearing the new Space Jam ball hat. Have you seen? Um, 
shots of Michael Jordan creating the original Space Jam. And it's just like all all green screen and he's oh, playing wow. against these other like green tight tights people. Yeah, no, I didn't. That's cool. It's really funny. How have you liked the last couple uh last dances? I really liked it. Yeah. Uh, now apparently have you continued watching? No. No. Okay. Uh apparently Ken Burns came out and said um it's not really I don't think I don't think he feels they're showing all sides of it. Like they're not showing Michael Jordan warts and all because they had to work so hard to get Michael Jordan on board with it that they can't truly be completely unbiased in showing it. So is but this, he's also like, I haven't watched it, but this is my understanding. Is this so. just his anecdotal opinion as another documentarian or is he involved in this show? I think someone at the Wall Street Journal like broke down what the show was, and oh. Ken Burns was like, "Oh, well, yeah, then no, I, I don't know if that's really, you know, the point of what a documentary is." But well, it's like I told you, I, I only saw the first episode, and I get why they did it the way they did, but it seemed to really flatter Michael a lot. Yeah, I, and I kind of wonder if they just start there, and then it gets kind of like worse and worse about him. Yeah. But I, yeah, I think now you're, you would call his playing behavior maybe toxic. Yeah. Okay. And I think it will go deeper into that. Can you believe what a weird year it's been for professional basketball? Like between the season getting canceled, this big documentary being like a huge topic of discussion in part because there is no basketball to watch. Of course, Kobe dying. Um, yeah. And then I, I read this article today. I did a break about it actually how they're considering Disney world as a potential venue for creating a bubble city for the NBA to reopen. Yeah, actually, um, someone brought that up on Bill Simmons podcast that they thought that was a good area for it because there are so many like arena areas. Yeah. There like, and hotels and they were like, it would actually work perfectly. Yeah. So yeah, I, I think, uh, I think it's going to happen. That's cool. Um, NASCAR is going to come back May 17th. Did you hear about this? No, I didn't hear it. Really? I, I will watch it. So I my, will watch it because that's how, like, I, I just want to cheer for something. But, like, no spectators. No spectators. Oh, I see. Okay. No. All right. Well, I guess they kind of have like, to decide you know what? what sports are physically sports. distant sports. Yeah. The golf courses and are going to try their watched, best to make money this year. Have you ever watched a full NASCAR race? Uh... Do you think I've ever watched a full NASCAR race? A full one. I was home I was home sick one day and I don't know if I watched it a repeat, but I got into it. Yeah. Like for whatever reason. I can get into any like, sport. I can't. Yeah. 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 I I picked a car and was like, all right, I guess this is this is my guy. <laughs> that's you know, that's always been one of my biggest barriers in being a sports fan is the pressure of knowing how to pick. And I remember that when I was first watching the Cavaliers and, and rooting for them, it was much easier with Toronto because that was obvious. But when I, we were watching that series with the Cavs and the and the Warriors, both you and my friend Duncan are my my biggest basketball fan friends. Like really impressing on me that all you have to do is like follow your heart and you'll know which team you're rooting for. Mm-hmm. And that did turn out to be true. But that just seems so arbitrary to me that I've never felt comfortable calling myself a fan of anything. Well, and the other thing that I think these leagues are really good at doing now, and I hadn't realized it really at the time, is highlighting these human interest pieces yeah. that get people into it. Like Jen 
if you ask Jen who her favorite golfer is, she'll say, oh, it's Jason Day. Because she watched one, like, interview with Jason Day. That was, like, a little, like, 15-minute interview. And it was all about his life and, like, the type of guy he is and, you know, whatever tragedy happened in his life. And she's like, Jason Day is my guy now. That's propaganda, that she's fallen for propaganda. <laughs> well, yeah, I suppose. <laughs> Although not necessarily um, for, like, a, a terrible cause. No, no, you're right. She's he's, a just, fa- he's a family she's man. Just, <laughs> she's just, al- yeah, she's just allowed a an edited piece of content to influence her on who she cheers for. Right. Well, I mean, all of this is an entertainment industry. Basketball is probably the worst for it, creating this, like, uh, narrative behind the people. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. But that's why you're a LeBron fan. I mean, I am. I really you're am. You're a Laker guy. Big Laker uh, guy. I wouldn't say that. Oh, you you have a little sensitivity towards the Lakers. Like, it seemed like I I prodded you a little too far there. But you know what? It's similarly to me deciding I like the Cavaliers. It's just my gut. It's just like, you like LeBron, but you kind of feel weird about, I guess because he left the team that I decided I liked him on, for him to not be there anymore. I have this, like, weird uh, conflictedness about it. Yeah, the Lakers are the Yankees or, like, the Patriots, I guess, if you want to go there. So, <laughs> or they're exactly like some, the Patriots. <laughs> people have some trepidation. I mean, there's like a history of of uh, uh, championships there. Right, right. Yeah. They're making another "Now You See Me" movie. "Now You See Me" three. It's in the works. And have have we talked about like the the loss that how the second movie wasn't just called now you don't like that yeah. was your I think idea. I, I mean, I th- I'm not the only person who said that for sure. The sequel should have been called Now You Don't. But then what would the third part be called if they had gone that route? Now You See Me, Now You Don't. I think it's called Now You See Me Again. <laughs> now You See Me, Now, now You, you Don't. Me, Ooh, you gotcha don't. there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and last week we talked about how their uh, Disney's next live action remake is Robin Hood. Today, there's been talk about how it's going to be Hercules. And Hercules is... For sure, one of my all-time favorite Disney movies. And, I mean, there's people in that movie, so I could see you doing it. Certainly, the effects would be really interesting. Um, But I don't know. If it ain't broke. There's so much personality in that movie. Like, are you going to recapture that? It didn't work with The Lion King. There was tons of personality in that movie. And you tried to recreate it, and it was dumb. Like, are we going to go... Did it not work, though? I thought it, like, very much worked. I thought people were really into it. Made tons of money, but no one will ever watch it again. Uh, okay. Yeah. And so, uh, is it just going to be one of those cases where, like, they recast James Earl Jones as Mufasa, they just recast Danny DeVito because who else could play Phil in Hercules? Or are they going to try and find some, like, modern version of of whoever exudes that energy in the current zeitgeist? And, like, then it's... I don't know. I just hate it. I think it's dumb. Or maybe, maybe they just, like... I think it would be smart if they got people who never watched the movie to cast the film based on um, who played those people. Like, yeah. who's a reasonable facsimile for this person? Right, let's just throw them in there. I guess, except Disney's not into that kind of risk. They, they're they really risk averse. Yeah. They really just want to like recreate what they know has already worked for them. 
I also don't know who's going to play Hercules, who's supposed to be like basically a teenager, but buff beyond belief. Like, are they just going to get played the, who played him? Who in played the, the original Hercules? Uh, I don't know. I'm not sure he was super famous. I don't know. Yeah. I, I keep just thinking that it was, um, uh, <laughs> who's the guy that sings Pirates of the Caribbean? Song oh, Michael Bolton. Michael, Michael, Michael Bolton does sing, uh, I can go the distance, but only the, the album version. Yeah. And for some reason I just put him in doing the entire Hercules. I have a weird movie. feeling that actor Tate Donovan played Hercules in Disney's Hercules. Alexa, who plays Hercules in the movie Hercules? Hercules was played by Lou Ferrigno in the 1983 film Hercules. <laughs> no, not, not Lou Ferrigno. The no. worst. No, never mind. <laughs> you can you can check it for yourself. I asked Google today who played or who what Roger Goodell he was, and she said I don't have that, but. Do you want to know what Roger Goodell's annual salary is? And I was like, <laughs> yes, sure. Yeah, tell that me. That works too. You clearly we want to tell there. me. <laughs> yeah. All right. Do you want to talk about shows? Yeah, let's do it. Are we low energy tonight? Is this my fault? No, I don't think so. I think it might even be like, honestly, if you think it's low energy, I wasn't certain that it was, but I had three coffees this morning. I had two coffees and then I had a coffee delivered to me by my friend, my other friend Colin. Right. Uh, and I was like dancing in the kitchen while I was like on the laptop doing work. Uh, and I was like, I'm for sure going to crash. I could maybe have a coffee tonight, but I don't think I'll ever sleep again if I have four coffees. In no, I think you've been fine. It's funny you brought up coffee though, because like my relationship to coffee has changed so much just having Becky home, like we have two French presses and normally if she's going to work, she'll make one for herself and put it in the travel mug and take off. And then I'll make the other one for myself when I get up. But where we get up at the same time now, we just share one French press, which is interesting because like, I know you can like adjust how much coffee you actually put in them, but I don't do that. I just, it's always the same amount. And so we just split one. We each get like one big cup of coffee every day. And so I'm drinking less coffee than I have in my entire life, uh, my, my entire adult life anyway. Um, and that's fine to the point that the other day I did make myself a full, uh, French press and I couldn't drink the other half. I emptied an ice cube tray and I poured it in an ice cube tray for iced coffee down the road. Cause like all of a sudden, like I'm tired all the time and yet I don't want more than one cup of coffee a day. Oh no, I'm the, I, my relationship has changed for like, oh, the Keurig's right next to me yeah. and I've got a ton of coffee in the back. We have this, like we get like the Costco size. There's like a hundred some right pods sorry that was a bad environmental uh <laughs> now we admission know. there now we know so, i save in other ways people <laughs> all right uh i guess uh you well you took the bullet last week uh for recapping the documentary so you get the pick of the litter today which should okay. you prefer to recap i think i would prefer to recap never have i ever okay all right cool um, I, I guess I'll put you on the proverbial clock. You can recap the first episode of Netflix's Never Have I Ever in three, two, one, go. Okay, so the story follows a uh, young Indian girl who's in high school. Uh, her father randomly passes away during one of her band practices, and she automatic or she during a, a swim practice 
no longer has the use of her legs. So she spends one year uh, in a, a wheelchair. She comes back, she realizes that she actually can walk. She was motivated by a uh, guy in her class who she had a crush on. Yeah, she just saw him. <laughs> yeah, she saw him, stood up. Uh, anyways, this is going to be her year. The whole show is edited by John McEnroe. She asks the guy if she can have sex with him, and he says, yeah, sure, why not? Yeah, she's mostly motivated by, like, she's going to get a boyfriend. This is the most important thing to her. If she's going to, like, rule her sophomore year, it's going to be romantically. She's going to, to grow up and become, like, a sexual creature uh, and, and overcome the horrific year that she's just had. Um, can we talk about John McEnroe in this show? Yeah. Is, what did you think of it? I thought Do you it, not like it? No, I thought it was so funny. I think it's hilarious, yeah. in fact. I think it's the <laughs> the best part of the show. I've watched two of them. And, I mean, it, she's really good. The show's funny. Um, but it's just so odd that John McEnroe is not just the narrator of the show. He's almost like her conscience because he like yes. ta- he talks like her. Uh, yeah. He talks like a teenage girl in it, but it's John McEnroe. And I right. guess like they, they have in common that they're both hotheads. And then they, they deliver this background that um, her dad, before he passed away, was like a big John McEnroe fan. But if they had not done that backstory, I would have been just as fine with John McEnroe being the the narrator because of the juxtaposition it's just so odd or if they didn't do it until like like episode seven or something might have been more gratifying if they did if they saved it yeah i kind of thought they were going to yeah um but i i did like when his it showed her dad watching a john McEnroe match on tv and john McEnroe just goes it me (laughs) hey look it me (laughs) yeah (laughs) i i think that everything he says is funny i also think the mom is really funny i think she's like subtly low-key funny she's really good i thought i thought the main character was was pretty solid in it um what's her name in it davy davy i thought davy was great yeah um i thought the one nitpick i had was like she's like an attractive indian girl in in the show anyway like her going up to a random high school guy and asking if he she's like hey no strings attached. You want to have sex? And the yeah. guy's like, like thinking the guy's going to be like, get out of here, nerd. And he's like, okay. But sure, he does say, okay. Out. Like, I mean, like that scene yeah. is mega cringy when she's just, she's decided like she probably can't have him as a boyfriend, but she's like, just want to hook up. I mean, right. I, he, he would have said yes in real life. Like at least that's realistic. It, yeah. I, I have to imagine if that were to happen, it would right. work. Um, yeah maybe maybe that's the point maybe and in the next episode they develop him a little bit further the other the other male character is the, the, can i say the 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 40 year old heartthrob the, in the show oh is do you think he's old i think he's so old and, Paxton? and apparently you can't find out his actual age irl interesting i mean i think there are a lot of actors who lie about their age yeah yeah there's like, a, true, there's like a like a whole conspiracy theory about Margot Robbie being older than she says. Well, that's the thing. At least she says something though. Oh, I see what you mean. Well, I mean, he's just not that famous yet. Yeah, I guess so. But even in like interviews, he's like, "Ah, I'm not going to talk about that." Oh, interesting. So I'm like, is he like 32? 32, maybe. That'd be funny. So you're talking yeah. about Paxton? Yes. So the other guy, I think his name is Ben. 
he's like her academic rival and they're always like they're always like bickering over like who's going to be and they're but they it's pretty mean like in the second episode he's he's jewish and in the second episode she says in class i wish the nazis had killed ben <laughs> it's oh like God. it's a horrible thing to say um yeah but, but like i find that character fairly one-dimensional that's my nitpick like he's so clearly in love with her right like he's gonna turn out to be in love with her they're both like like goody two-shoes kind of like honor roll students right hate each other yeah just a couple of funny quotes um and and again i think the mother is so funny when when davy tries to pass off the the book through the window as a bird having done it and she's like you're lying to your mother and shaming an innocent bird (laughs) i thought that was hilarious um the the niece who's like she's got like a hot uh cousin and uh the kid is like driving by on his bike and he crashes into the recycling bins and the mother says this has got to stop the recycling bins can't take much more of this i thought that was so funny um oh and when uh davy high fives her mom at the dinner table she says this high five is so violent i'm not doing this anymore (laughs) in general i just thought she was low-key really funny mom you can hear um a lot of Mindy Kaling and, and throughout the show. Right. So Mindy Kaling uh, is the co-creator of the show. I found upon first viewing the backstory where she is temporarily uh, paralyzed from the waist down, but that's over by the time the show starts. I found that to be so yeah. strangely specific to create uh, like a traumatic backstory for this character, but it's real. So the other creator of the show, who I don't know off the top of my head, um, when when they were very young, uh, one of the parents died, and then this person's brother just periodically lost use of his legs. For like, it, it was just like apparently it happens to some young people. It's like a coping me- mechanism within the brain where like you just go temporarily paralyzed, and then it ends as quickly and as mysteriously as it comes on. And so they asked right. for this guy's permission to can we write it into the story because it's just so interesting. And I guess it happens. Right. It's it's like psychosomatic, like like um he was saying yeah like i guess Ben was saying he was like which means it's fake and my dad says i love it when he goes what are you talking about my dad's hot <laughs> you don't know what he's been through yeah you yeah that was the, <laughs> he sticks up for him so hard it kind of has a bit of an atypical vibe or at least it's for the same audience yeah i think so but it's good I I, so. do you I, give this i do i give it my ass I, th- I thought it was really fun i think that it's like it's it's not a masterwork, but I haven't watched a whole show in a little while, and it's super right. breezy. Like I can definitely watch the yeah. show in two days. I do too. I Jen wanted to watch it, and I put it on, and she was like, "We don't have to watch it. We don't have to watch it." And I was like, "No, we're we're gonna do it for the show. Show. I'm gonna watch it, and I'm gonna know that Sweets will want to watch it probably yeah. by the end of it. So we'll we'll be good." And it's a half hour show. It's just it, everybody's really funny in it. It's just it's well written and. It's a little a little hokey, but I liked it. Yeah, it's fun. Okay, I guess I'll um, recap the first episode of Mrs. America, which is tough because I don't exactly remember what happened in it. But uh, were you able to find a? <laughs> were you able to get a hold of this show? It it actually is on FX in Canada, so oh, okay. I had it on demand. Oh, okay, excellent. Okay, so count me down. All right, so you are going to recap Mrs. America in three, two, one, go. Kate Blanchett plays Phyllis Schlafly 
who is a prominent political figure of, I guess, I guess it's 1971, although it looks like it's much older, in part because she's very rigidly conservative. She's uh, a known figure for her opposition to uh, the women's liberation movement, um, which is uh, kind of the way this episode jumps off and the fact that she's um, about to go head to head with like Gloria Steinem. And that's the, the, the premise of the show is, is this anthology series of like all of these interesting women during a certain era of America and they all overlap. And so I guess that's the best I can say about what the show is. I didn't really recap what happens in the pilot, did I? Do you remember a lot of specifics about the story? She has this uh, husband who's John Slattery and they, they don't really have any kind of closeness. He doesn't want her to run for office. Uh, and so she decides no. she's not going to. She, despite her, um, despite her clearly uh, experiencing sexism daily in a political climate um, is against the equal rights amendment. Right. Um, and she kind of frames it in the way that like, Hey, these equal rights people are just like, they're just against, um, you know, they're, they're making us homemakers feel small right. and stupid and they want us to also work. And then like if we start working then we're just going to do a shitty job at two things um, rather than like a good job at just being a mother and like, you know, and creating this idea husband. that like, that like men can't be good parents uh, alternatively to, to, totally. to women. And then she kind of gets herself caught in a, in a bit of a, she kind of like puts her foot in her mouth. Cause she has this friend who's never gotten married. And at one point her friend is like feeling kind of like she missed out on this exciting thing. Like all of her other friends got to get married and she's, she's always kind of been a single woman and she's like, no, it's just never happened for you. You've been unlucky. And then later on, Phyllis is giving this speech and she's like, women who don't get married are ugly. <laughs> like she says something right. like, Oh, yeah. these like sad, pathetic women who don't get married. And so like, right. she's, she's you not want to ever get married. You want to be one of those women. Right. So she's not very nice. And, and I knew going into this, that I would be politically averse to many of the things that she says because I I, I, I just knew that much about Phyllis Schlafly. Um, but Kate Blanchett is just so darn good in everything that she was very convincing. She's almost like, um, yeah, it's you can see how uh, persuasive she was yeah. in, in the time. And, and Kate Blanchett is a superstar. Yeah. She's like, so natural in every role that she's in she's amazing this one included and it's a stacked cast on top of it. oh my god i didn't realize that uh this cast would all exist within the same universe like i kind of thought it was just going to be one off like the first episodes about phyllis and then the next episodes about gloria but no they all live in the right. same place and so they all are yeah. in the show together and it's it's Kate blanchett and uh rose Byrne is gloria Steinem, very convincingly by the way elizabeth banks is in this uzo aduba from orange is the new black sarah paulson who's amazing at everything uh james yeah. marsden john slattery i mentioned the stack the, the cast is totally stacked tracy allman i guess plays nice. uh that other lady yeah james marsden yeah it was a he, he's he's kind of got to stop being in stuff that takes place in this era like just given the fact that it was and I, I mentioned that I thought it was a little bit earlier than 1971. As soon as they showed him, I'm like, is he playing Kennedy again? Because he just feels like he's always uh, that right. guy with the comb over. Yeah, right. And the teeth. I, it's funny. The thing I know him most from right now is Westworld. And true. after that is probably 30 Rock. You haven't watched Dead to Me. 
No, I haven't watched that. Dead to Me season two comes back in like a couple of weeks. So you should watch the first season so you're ready for the second season. Right. Yeah, you're a big, uh, you're a big deadhead. Dead to Me is one of the best shows of last year. It was so fun. You love it. Yeah. Okay. Loved it. You, you and your brother both tried to uh, convert me to watch it on um, the crossover show show. Really? Yeah. And I still haven't watched it. Well, I mean, I, yeah, bad taste, I guess. That's all I can say. <laughs> How's that for a secret? <laughs> uh, I don't have a whole lot more to say about this show. I thought it was pretty good. I thought the acting was okay. I don't really know if I, 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 I've never been so indecisive about whether or not I want to give it my ass because I appreciate their investment in it and the cast is so good. And I mean, I guess it's an interesting time. I just didn't really find the, the story that compelling. It's clearly supposed to be so good and you know, it's like going to be so good, but I just, I don't, I don't want to watch it. No, no, you I know? agree. I don't want to give it my ass. It got better gonna, in the second half. Watch another episode. The first half was a real slog. The second half was better. Well, to be fair, um, they don't introduce the entire uh, lib movement until uh, the entire like lib movement characters until yeah. the last 30 seconds or like three minutes of the show. Right. So you can see how that would make it a way more watchable show. For sure. Yeah. But based on the pl- on the pilot, which is what our show does. Yeah. No, I can't get No, I don't think so. All right. Today's um, uh, Never Trust Will Smith is brought to us by my dad. This is the first thing that happened to me this morning. I woke up to a text from my dad. He had sent me an article <laughs> written based on comments made by Jada Pinkett Smith during her Red Table Talk show, which she's still doing from home, from quarantine, yeah. where she described very frankly that quarantine and self-isolation has helped her to understand that she never really knew will smith at all but what spending all this time with with him has helped them to start building their friendship you know they only have two 25 year olds and have been together for decades i never really knew will at all but we're starting to build a friendship what the fuck are you talking brick by brick (laughs) yeah Wow, you're about like 30 years late there, guys. Who do I trust less? That's the question. I know. Well, and that's that's part of the equation. We, you're right. We, we, did, we never really trusted Jada. No, not really. Well, we not definitely so don't trust Will Smith. Well, it's, what it sounds to me like is she she doesn't trust Will Smith because she's just realized she's been living <laughs> with a stranger. Who is this guy? And if untrustworthy Jada Pinkett Smith can't trust her husband, can we? No. No. The whole family can't, to be fair. <laughs> you gotta get out of there. <laughs> so never go outside. Never go outside.